Thank you, praise team, for, uh, for leading us today and all that you do. I know it's a lot of effort uh, for all they do every week. I'm just going to ask a, a simple question again. Who, who feels busy right now? Who, who's busy in your life? Raise your hand, okay, right? All of us could raise your hand. Who, who's lying about not feeling busy? Raise your hand, right? All of us uh, feel busy. All of us feel the stress of life. All of us, it seems in, in this age that, that we live in such a busy, frantic time. Uh, the last few weeks for me has been extremely busy. It's, it's just seemed like there's been something that I've had to do all the time. And my phone's been going crazy, and the emails just seem like they're coming in like crazy. There's always something uh, that I have to be handling. If I've not responded to an email from you in the last two weeks, don't take it personal, okay? It's not personal. It's just been one of those seasons of life. And, you know, all of us go through times. It's not, not always like this, but sometimes we go through times where it just seems like things just pile up on us. And it's a common issue. Everybody feels busy. Most people feel they have more obligations than time. Amen? <laughs> you know, that, that's probably a statement that should get you up shouting in the church, right? Most of us feel like we have more obligations than, than time. And, and so here we are on a Mother's Day, and, and we're going to talk about Sabbath. You know, Mother's Day, I think it's an appropriate day to talk about Sabbath and resting because our mothers do so much. Mothers have different perspectives than, than fathers. You know, mothers think you have to watch the kids, and I think, why can't the kids just watch themselves, right? You know, stick them in a room, lock things up, no sharp objects, they should be fine for hours. You know, m mothers think things like separating clothes for laundry. I, I have the same philosophy of separating clothes as I do separating food. It all ends up in the same place anyhow, so what does it really matter? And if you wash that stuff together long enough, it's all the same color and you can't separate it anyhow, right? You know, mothers tend to think differently when you're having people over. I think when people are coming over, there's one, a one-word answer. Pizza, right? Order pizza that's taken care of. Mothers think clean the house. I've got another word, one-word answer for you. Closet. You know, that's why you put them in the house, so that you can just shove everything in there. So mothers have a different perspective than, than fathers on a lot of things. And mothers can be overwhelmed. And, and if you're a mother out there, if you've got these obligations that are bearing down, I hope this is a restful, helpful sermon to you and not just laying another uh, burden upon you. Busyness, uh, stress affects us all. Uh, it's a frantic age. It's, it's an age where we run here and there and there's always something we need to do. Technology was supposed to make life easier Technology has not made life easier, has it? Uh, I, I know, I, I've been to Guatemala several times, and Guatemala, I would classify third world. I don't know if it's third world or not, but, but they don't have the technology that we have, and it seems like life is so much simpler there, uh, that they have more time just to be with each other. And, and yet, in, in our society and our culture. We've got all the technology in the world and yet we're just stressed out. We're too busy. We're overburdened. In Richard Swenson's book, Margin, he says we have education, influence, technology, leisure, and convenience, but no rest. 
And I believe that's true. We, 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 we live in this state of unrest. And, and when we do our survey of things that causes stress in your life, that the third thing listed was busyness. You said that busyness caused stress in, in your life. And I believe that really busyness is the thread that runs through all of our issues. When we talk about the, the, the stress of parenting, the, the stress of, of being a husband or a wife, the stress of a job, the, the stress of life. Generally, this thread of busyness is the thread that runs through it all that creates havoc in our life. I'll, 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 I'll sleep when I die. Uh, who, who said that? You know, you know that there's that that ideal that there's just too much to do in our family relationships, in our work relationships, in, in our life. There's just too much to do to stop and rest. And to be honest, most of us are driven by productivity. In other words, we, we feel this, this heightened need to produce, that, that somehow we are being measured by what we do instead of who we are. And, and so there's this idol of productivity that drives all of our actions. Also from the book Margin, um, Dr. Swenson writes, constant activity is a characteristic of our age. If we are not active, we feel slothful. Uh, if we are not productive, we feel guilty. Such busyness does not come because our bodies can't help themselves. We can't blame our thyroid, thyroid or adrenal glands, nor does it result from theological teaching. It comes from a value system that idolizes productivity. I'm not saying productivity is wrong. I'm only saying it must not be idolized. And I believe that's true in, in most, many, if not all of our lives, we feel guilty when we're not doing something, when we're not producing. Let's just let's do a little survey. Be honest. How many have sat down in the last week at some point and felt guilty because you weren't doing anything? We idolize productivity. And it's, it's limiting the margins from our life. And it's in the margins that relationship and health is found. When you, when you write on every bit of the page of your life and you leave no space for margin, you're headed for failure. You're headed for destruction. So I'm going to ask you some questions. You don't have to answer these out loud. You just think about it. Are you, are you constantly worn out? Do you feel like you have more obligations than time? Does, a, does busyness affect your ability to focus? In other words, are you so busy that as you're sitting working on one thing, another problem instantly pops up and you begin working on that and so on and so forth and, until you're going from one issue to the other issue to the other issue? Is your relationship with others being impaired by busyness? Finally, is your relationship with God being impaired by busyness. How's that happen? Well, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I, I've got to be here, I've got to go there, and before you know it, your day's over and you've not spent any time in prayer or the Word just simply because you're too busy. Got good news. 
Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That's, that's good news. Jesus has overcome busyness. Do you think Jesus didn't understand the concept of busyness? Three years, his ministry, our whole world depends on this three years of ministry. Don't you think Jesus understood obligations and the pressure of time? We are meant to overcome, not be overwhelmed. And we've made this personal throughout this series, and and we'll put this up there, and you can say this with me. Go ahead and do the next one, Dave. Say this with me. I will overcome, not be overwhelmed. I believe that is a promise that God has made through Jesus Christ to you, that, that you can't overcome. You don't have to be overwhelmed, and you do not have to be overwhelmed by busyness. And so this morning we're going to talk about Sabbath. And, and, and I don't know, when, when I use the word Sabbath, there's all sorts of things that, that come to people's minds. There's, there's all sorts of, of, of layers of theology that's been piled upon this. And, and all I'm asking this morning, you know, I don't want to put false guilt. I don't want to lay another burden on you. I, I don't want to somehow make life harder because that's not the point of Sabbath. But I want you just to freshly consider this concept of Sabbath, what what it might mean in your life. See, I believe the habit of Sabbath, and and I'm very intentional, the habit of Sabbath, not just Sabbath in itself, but the habit of Sabbath is the answer to overwhelmed people. And, And I believe in our age, if we could become a people who developed this habit and stuck to this habit and lived by this habit, that it will affect us theologically, it will affect us relationally, it will affect us emotionally, it will affect how we think, it will affect how we work, it will affect every aspect of our life in a positive way. So what is Sabbath? The Sabbath principle. Rest brings physical, emotional, spiritual and relational wholeness. Uh, do, do you realize that, that even, our emo- even our spiritual state is impacted by our resting habits? And when we run ourselves to the end of ourself, it's very difficult to hear from God or anyone else. And so rest affects us holistically. It affects us in every way. So what is Sabbath? The the Sabbath is is, is part of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are given in two places in the Old Testament. It's first given in Exodus, and and this is the actual event when when the Ten Commandments are given by God. And the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 says this, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your maidservant or your your manservant or your maidservant, nor your animals, nor any alien living within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day 
and made it holy. Now, as I read this, the first thing I thought was, if I could just get a manservant or a maidservant, I could solve this whole issue, right? <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen. So, so God rested, and, and, and the Exodus command says, you should rest. Why? Because God created, God is creator, and after God was done creating, he stopped and he rested. And then this commandment, the Ten Commandments, are repeated in Deuteronomy. It's, it's kind of a summary. They're going back over and they're, they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And, and, and the, the Ten Commandments are represented to the people of Israel as a reminder and a different reason, which has always been fascinating to me. There is a different reason attached to, this, to the, the Sabbath commandment in Deuteronomy than there is in Exodus. For the most part, it's the same command. And then it gets to the reason. It says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So in Exodus, we are to rest because God is creator and he rested. In Deuteronomy, we are to rest because God is liberator. God has saved us. God has given us life. So when we Sabbath, when we, when we, when we honor this commandment, which by the way is one of the ten, and I can't think of another one of the ten that we just say, ah, that's Old Testament. Thou shalt not murder. Ah, you know, we're under grace now. It's one of the ten. Sabbath reminds us God creates and gives life. And every time we stop and rest, when we create this habit, we're saying it is my God who is creator. It is my God who gives life. Wednesday night, we were going through Hebrews. We've been going through Hebrews for, for a little while now. And we got to Hebrews chapter 12. And in Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about this sin that so easily entangles. That, that there is a sin that, that, that can trip us up more than any other sin. And, you know, I've heard all sorts of preaching over that through the years. But, but, but a lot of writers suggest that this sin that so, orig, so, so, so entangles so many people is the original sin. It's the sin of Adam and Eve. And, and the sin of Adam and Eve was what? The, the sin of Adam and Eve was not for something bad but something good, but something good on their own account, right? That, that somehow that they wanted what God had, and they wanted to be who God was. They, they didn't want bad things. They wanted good things, but they wanted these good things to come from them. And that's the original sin. And I believe that's the sin that so easily entangles us. It's not that we want to do bad things, but we want to do good things in our own strength, in our own power, in our own way. Right? 
Sabbath. The habit of Sabbath is a habit that speaks to, that addresses this sin that so easily entangles. That this sin in which we say it's all based on me. I want to do good things. I don't want to do bad things. But I want it to be based on me, not God. In Sabbath, you rest and you say, life doesn't depend on me, but it depends on God. I am not creator. God is creator. And Sabbath is a habit that directs us to those two ideas. Now, let's flash forward to the time of Jesus. But by the time of Jesus... And maybe this is why the early Christian church didn't make as big a deal about Sabbath as as the other parts of the commandment. But to the Jewish people, this was significant. That this may have been their most important commandment. As a matter of fact, I've read in some places that, that they suggested, they thought that if they could just have this perfect national Sabbath day, it would usher in the age of Messiah. That, that this was the point, this was the key, that, that being perfectly loyal to Sabbath would bring Messiah in their midst. And so by the time of Jesus, they had 39 different categories of ways that you could break the Sabbath. They, they, they had intricate little things. Well, you can do this, but you can't do this. You can walk this far, but you can't walk any farther. You, you can eat, but you can't harvest. You can do that. And they had all of these rules. And when you see the ministry of Jesus, much of, what he, much of his healing, much of his encounters with the Pharisees occurs over what? Sabbath. So one day Jesus, this is found in Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 2, Jesus, this is the beginning of his ministry in, in Mark, Jesus is walking through the fields with his disciples, and the disciples, as they're walking through, they're, they're grabbing grain, and they're eating it. A clear, you know, this isn't being facetious, this is a clear violation of Sabbath. It was perfectly legal to do that every other day of the week, but to do it on the Sabbath day was to harvest. And you broke the Sabbath if you harvested on it. So it was a clear violation. It wasn't, it wasn't Jesus was doing something, oh, that, 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 that's not a violation of the rules. It was. And so they're being challenged, and Jesus says this, the Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And it goes on in chapter 3. So this whole drama in Mark chapter 2 and chapter 3 is this drama with the Pharisees and, and Jesus' reaction, Jesus' actions on Sabbath. And, and there's this, this crippled man and, and he's trying to, you know, Jesus wants to heal him and, and they're all sitting around trying to see if Jesus will break the Sabbath again and heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus says this, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do? To do good or to do evil? To save a life or to kill? He doesn't answer the question, but what he does is he heals this crippled man. Both of these things, 
according to their rules, were a violation of Sabbath. But I think it helps us learn what Sabbath is. Sabbath is not about manufactured religious obligation. Um, I'm just going to say, Sabbath is not, I have to wear uncomfortable clothes and listen to a boring preacher. I know, you've done your Sabbath duty. It's more than that. (laughs) That's part of it. No. (laughs) Sabbath is to help, not hurt humankind. (laughs) That's the point. Jesus says, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And, and what's he saying there? He's saying man, humankind had been created a long time ago, and they, they had relationship with God. Abraham had moved in relationship with God for many, many years, and, and the people of Israel had. There had been this ongoing relationship before the time of Exodus, before the time of Moses, when God gave them the Ten Commandments. So he's saying the Ten Commandments were not before man, they were after man. And so this this is really applying to all the law. Jesus is saying the law is here. The Sabbath is meant to help, not hurt. And so just on the very particular issue we're talking about today, maybe you're saying, this will make things so much harder if I take a day and I just stop. Jesus says it was meant to help not hurt. It was meant for life and healing, not to hurt you. It's for your good, not for your bad. (laughs) But that's for all the law as well. And as I thought about that, that particular point is important. But, But maybe you're in here and you're struggling with following Jesus. Maybe you're struggling with this whole God business of of giving up your life. What Jesus is saying here, when God gives instruction, he's not doing it to hurt you. He's doing it to help you. That in obedience, in following the will of God, it's not harmful and hurtful, but it's real life. That that somehow these commands are not, you know, God's not saying, okay, what else can I lay on them? What other burden can I place on him to make it harder to serve me? God's saying, I am in love, giving you a way of life that leads to life. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to harm you. I'm not trying to knock you down. God's not the big fun zapper that lives in the sky that just wants to take all joy out of life. And I'm sorry if you've been part of a church that's ever taught that. My God gives life and laughter and relationship. There is nothing lacking in my life for being obedient to God. And maybe you're struggling with that. Hear the words of Jesus. I'm here to help and give life, not to hurt. Sabbath is for life and healing. And Sabbath, we rest in the God who is the source of our life. We say, I am not going to depend on on what I can produce. It's not about what I can do, but I am going to rest in the God who says it is done. (laughs) 
And when I say Sabbath, it's not just something we think about, but it's a habit. Sabbath is the weekly habit of creating space for rest and relationship with God and others. Now, does Sabbath, well, first off, Sabbath is not Sunday, it's when? Saturday, okay? If if we're going to go back and we're going to be legalistic about this, it's not Sunday. We worship on Sunday for one reason, because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. That's why. The first day of the week, he rose from the dead, and the church has gathered thereafter to celebrate a risen Savior. Is Sabbath just Saturday? No. For some of you, that may not work. Sunday may not work. I work on most Sundays. You may think, man, that's not much work, but this is work. So so I'm not suggesting a legalistic day that it has to be Saturday or it has to be Sunday. What I'm saying is sometime during your week, there has to be a time that you stop. That production is not your God, but God is your God, and you find time for rest and relationship. You find life, time for, for life in Christ. Now, my habit, typically, uh, you know, I, I have a day off through the week, but typically, as most people on a day off, guess what? There's things to do. You know, I have things to do usually on Friday, and, and so Friday's my day off, and so usually I do things on Friday, and, you know, even sometimes I'm in the office on Fridays. Uh, but I try to, from Friday about uh, dusk to about sundown to about Saturday, Sundown. That's what, and that, and that is a, a literal, that is a biblical Sabbath. So, so I, you know, it's not like, it, it's from this time to this time. I try to carve out of my schedule and not be worried about production. You know, it doesn't mean that I sit in a room by myself with the lights out. Sometimes, but not all the time. But I carve out a time for rest. Several years ago, I had a, a sabbatical, and uh, you know I'd pastored for I don't know, eight or nine years, and 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 by manual pastors they encourage you to take sabbaticals, and this is a you know a few weeks off. I think Pastor Paul Whiteford had one here several years ago, right? All right, thank you. Uh, so so it's a time where you're just off, and you know you kind of reflect, you rest, and and, and you, I came to that time, and you know I was done. I'll just be transparent enough to say that if it was not for sabbatical, I wouldn't be pastor anymore. I I was beat. I was done. I was worn out. See, see, when you pastor, it's a weird thing. And and I I think I shared this a couple weeks ago. Every burden you bear, I bear to a certain level. Not, Not to the level you do. I mean, I understand that, that, that when you've, Tony, when you've lost your dad, uh, it's not the same as me losing my dad, but I share that. And so every time somebody dies, anytime somebody's sick, anytime you're struggling with a relationship, anytime that there's some, as a pastor, you kind of carry those things. Um, you know, people will always say, oh, you know, you were a lawyer before. 
pastoring and lawyer is kind of like the same thing. No. Those people just go to jail and they're on their own. I didn't do criminal work in case you wonder. So. None of my clients are in jail. If they were, I would have really done a bad job since I wasn't a criminal lawyer. Um, and so I, I was worn out, and, 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 you know, I got into this sabbatical, and for like three weeks, it was like, oh. You know, and I didn't want to lift my head, and I didn't want to do anything. You know, it just finished. After sabbatical, I went to a Catalyst conference, and if this is Andy Stanley's conferences, and, you know, great speakers, tremendous speakers. And, and so... And, and I think I've even shared this here. I, I, I'm in this conference, and I'm in this big room, and I think it's this big-name speaker, and it's not this big-name speaker. And, and it's, it's, it's some lady. I, you know, I'm not anti-ladies, but this lady was nervous, and you could tell. And I, I tell you, if you're going to leave, see, we, we, have, we have stationed doors at both places, so it's easy to sneak out at here. But I was sitting over here, in a big room, and the door was over there. And I'm oh. You know, and you, you see some people trickle out. Because you could tell she's nervous, and, you know, she, she, she seemed like she was going to be okay. But, you know, these are big names. You know, this is Andy Stanley. This, these are these guys that, you know, can fill big stadiums. And so I'm, oh. And then she began to share. And she began to share right at me. <laughs> And, and you could tell it was, it was manuscript, it was written. She was reading from her notes. You could just tell that God had written those notes for me. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that our God is so particular that, that in a pastor study, he can give us a sermon, but God's writing that for you and you and you and you. And so she begins to share about how people just cannot pause. That it's in the pauses of life that we hear from God and, and, and that we're running and we're running and we're running and we just can't stop. And then she said this. And the people that are leading us are the worst offenders. Oh. See, I value productivity. I don't know if you know that about me or not, but, but I value productivity. I am a driven individual. Terry and I are driven. I have more education than brains because I'm driven. You know, we're driven, and when you're driven, it can cause you never to stop. My favorite basketball coach ever is Bobby Knight because he's an Ohio boy, right? And he's got those good Christian values. <laughs> I always feel like I have to repent when I say I like Bobby Knight, but I do. But I heard Knight being interviewed one time, and he said, you know, all these national championships, at one time he had more wins than anybody. I think three national championships. How many Big Ten championships? Knight said, you know, I remember the losses more than the wins. Anybody else like that? I got to tell you, I remember losses 
more than wins. You know, wins are like, ah, that's a win. Let's go on to the next win. Losses are like, why did I lose? And I think in that personality, it's easy to be overwhelmed. Not that I'm sinning and not that I'm wanting to sin, not that I'm wanting bad things, I'm wanting good things. But I become so self-dependent that I let go of the most important thing. That, That somehow I squeeze God out. And I squeeze other relationships out. This need to produce. And I don't think that I'm probably the only one in this room that, that suffers from that um, problem. This need to be productive, this need to produce. And, and some of you, if you were honest this morning, you would say that my relationships with others, my relationship with God is being squeezed out. You know what one of the worst offenders of this is? It has been in the past. The church. Folks, I, I hear you. I pastor an overwhelmed, overstressed, overworked church. And sometimes at the end of the day, the church isn't a place of life, but it's a place of burden. And, and even in our church, I mean, I, I see people that are just like burned out. And it just shouldn't be. I'm asking God, and I don't have the answers here. And maybe that's the point of it all. You know, see, if I had the answers, then what would I do? I'd be working, working to create and do. And I don't have the answers here. But maybe that's the point, that God's asked us to begin to imagine something that only he can do. That, that church will be a place of rest and healing, of relationship, of wholeness, a, a place where confession can be freely given, where laughter is easy, where life is better. You guys don't look like you're too excited about that. You're stressing me out. I'm excited about it because I I think God's calling us to something more. And it's not going to be because we're so good or we're so sharp. It's going to be because our heavenly father is so good, is so loving, is so caring. Now, this habit that I've talked about changes attitudes. Last, week, last year we did a, a series, and I talked about Sabbath then, a Shaping Habits series. And, and, and we talked about how habits can affect our attitude, how we perceive life. And, and the habit of Sabbath reminds us relationships are always more important than productivity. When we stop, we are saying relationship with God, relationship with those I love, is more important than what I produce. You say, oh, pastor, that's, that's once a week. Test this. Be- begin the Sabbath and, and, and see if on the other days of the week, it doesn't become easier to listen. 
That, that your ears don't begin to function better. That not only do you hear others, but you hear God better because of this habit one day of the week. That the ha- habit of Sabbath reminds us God is the source of all good gifts. You don't have a great job because you're so great. You have a great job because our God is so great. (laughs) We need to be reminded we don't live in a great country because we're so great. We have been blessed by our Heavenly Father with freedom and life. Now, I think when when you tend to do these things, when you do these habits, you, you hold on not tighter to possessions, but you hold on looser. And next week we're going to talk about the habit of stewardship. And um, man, I shouldn't have told that because people know I'm going to talk about money and they won't be back. Shoot. It's three weeks from now. Next week we're giving out candy. And I'll also be praying at the altar for lying, okay? We're going to talk about stewardship and and I'm going to invite us to look at stewardship in a different way. I think we tend to look at stewardship as the person that accumulates the most possessions is the good steward. And I think there's some truth in being good with your possessions and good with your money. But stewardship is not about the amount of your possessions, but how you possess your possessions. How you perceive your possessions. I've seen people with very little that were great stewards of what God had given them. And I've seen people that had a lot that were terrible stewards of what God had given them. But Sabbath helps us begin to see things different, that we're not possessed by productivity. And some of you are saying, well, Pastor... And I've had this discussion, and it's, it's, a, it's kind of a weird dynamic in the church. If I talk to someone under 40 about Sabbath, most of them are like, Josh, tell me if I'm not right. Yep. Amen. Yep. Yep. You talk to people 40 and over, they tend to say, well, okay, but, but people need me to... That, you know, if I work seven days a week and provide for my family, I'm a... See, there's a generational shift going on. And, and for some of you, you're saying, people need me to... You know what people need? They don't need you to do anything. They need you to be there. Relationships are more important than productivity. And if you would stop and think back about those people who were the most influential in your life, it was not because of their productivity level, but because of their availability in relationship and how they loved you. Right? We're going to play a video and have a few short more points and then we'll be done. Go ahead. So I'm pretty sure that when Pastor Paul asked me to speak um, my testimony on the Sabbath principle, I might have laughed. Um, I think my exact words to him were, you know I've taken approximately one intentional day of rest probably in this whole last year. (laughs) The truth is that um, this is something that I'm working out in my life. 
in the last couple of months, the Lord has just gently laid in my heart that I never take one full day of rest like he's commanded. And so the last few months, like I said, the Lord has just gently been, been showing me what that looks like. And um, I'm just going to share a little bit of that with you today. So my personality type, if you don't know me, um, is kind of just go, 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 go. <laughs> my to-do list at any given point is like a hundred miles long. And even if I checked all of that off, there would still be more to do in my mind. It just doesn't stop. And that's one of the reasons I'm really thankful for my husband. He is the perfect balance to me. And I'm so grateful for him. Uh, but anyway, that is uh, just makes this principle all the more difficult, I feel like, for me. Um, but if you also don't know, I stay home with my three small children. And so um, to kind of get through our day, you know, I have these um, intentional pockets of rest, you know, story time on the couch, snuggles, uh, a little bit of playtime. We have our afternoon nap time and rest time um, that all those small restful moments are kind of just essential you know to getting through the day so that um, I feel like I've got down um, and that's on a day-to-day -day basis um, you know sustainable that's that's great and that's fine but in the long term um, that's just it's not enough rest it's not what the Lord has commanded um, or has called us to and commanded us to do and so um, one of the analogies I feel like that you know the Lord has kind of laid on my heart is that of tithing and you know we give our 10% of our earnings to the Lord that's it's all his anyway we give that to him and we trust that with the 90% that's left over that he's gonna take care of us that he will provide and um, even those months that look like really like how is this gonna work out you know I could take that that 10% and, and pay this 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 you know but no we're faithful to that command and God provides um, and in the same way you know I look at the the uh, fraction of like one tenth versus one seventh one day out of the seven days and it seems like a huge sacrifice to me maybe that sounds silly to some of you but um, it's just kind of mind-boggling to me that the Lord can take these six days and, you know, and, and work his way, but that is what he's called us to. And um, so that is what I'm working through right now, um, trusting the Lord that when I honor his command that he will take care of the rest. And um, he really is just such a faithful and good God. And um, I just hope that that's encouraging to any of you that might be struggling with this principle like I am. Um, you're not alone. We're, we're all in this together and we're working it out um, for His glory. For sharing your testimony. Now, with that in mind, I, I have some suggestions just. We're, we'll be done here in just a couple minutes. Uh, some suggestions on, on ways and things to do on, on Sabbath. I, I think Sabbath is a combination of something that, that you do alone and sometimes you do with others. Uh, if you don't know this about me, and everybody, when you say this as a pastor, they, you know, it's, oh, well, he's crazy. I am a professional extrovert, but I am a personal introvert. Uh, th this is not my personality. I, I don't 
necessarily enjoy this and get energy from this. God's called me, and you can't be a pastor, a lead pastor, unless you preach every once in a while, right? And so I'm a professional extrovert, which means I have to really be a people person, but it's not my natural personality. I'm more of an introvert. And so what I've found on Sabbath, oftentimes, I have to find space where I'm by myself. Uh, that, you know, I, I enjoyed being out in, in nature, in the woods, and I didn't like hiking with other people because that was what I was getting away from was other people. Uh, that sounds really bad. Um, <laughs> so some of you are like me, that you're, you're in your profession, you have to be an extrovert, and, and you're really an introvert, or maybe you're professionally an introvert, but you're really an extrovert. You know, you, you love people! But you work in this little cubicle and you look at the, these same walls. And so, you know, Sabbath may be more with other people than by yourself because it just, it's where your energy is fed. And so I had some suggestions. Um, number one, lay in a hammock and do nothing. <laughs> that sounds good. I, I may do that this afternoon. Well, it's Mother's Day. I can't. Uh, maybe Terry will do that today. Take a long, slow walk with your spouse or a good friend. Uh, play catch with your son or daughter. Do a jigsaw puzzle. There you go. That's, that's, that's productivity that leads to nothing. Other, you know, then you just put it back apart and put it back in the box, right? Uh, listen to music with someone you love. Find a favorite scripture, read it, and then read it again and listen for God. And when I'm saying this, I'm saying don't study scripture. <laughs> just read scripture. Just let God speak through his scripture. Don't, don't, don't get out all your guides. These things are good to do. But maybe instead of using it, see, as, as a pastor, Josh, Christy, uh, Bob, I don't know if you, it, you, we could become professional Bible studiers, right? That this, you know, all our Bible study leads to a sermon or a lesson or, or something that we're trying to do. And, and, and so I think Sabbath is an invitation just to talk to God as a friend and just let him speak into your life in that way eat ice cream on the back porch yeah here's my favorite take your cell phones put them in a drawer get some seats and go and put them in your front yard and watch your neighbor work on their yard That'd be exciting. You know, when, when they make a good mowing cut, I want you. <laughs> There's this awesome story of the Bible. It's in Luke chapter 10, and it's the story of two sisters, and you know the story, Mary and Martha. And, and uh, Martha is working like crazy. Who, who associates himself more with Martha than Mary in that story? I do. You know, Martha's like working like crazy because there's people there and there's things to do. Before we demonize Martha too much, Martha's doing what needs to get done, right? And Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet. <laughs> yeah, and, and Martha does what most of us would think about doing but maybe not do, right? Uh, I don't know if we'd, most of us would do it, but we'd at least think it. Goes to Jesus and says... Can you get my sister to help? <laughs> Anybody ever said that before? Yeah. And Jesus says, Martha, Mary has chosen the better things. 
Sabbath is the habit of choosing better things. Stand with me, if you will. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, right now, we just give you praise and thanks. Because all these things, all these instructions, all, all, all that we find in the Word is not for, to hurt us, but to, to give us life. I, I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to see that. That you are not the God who just puts restrictions on us to put restrictions on us, but you are the God that invites us to take your yoke upon us because it fits well. Lord, help us to wear your yoke and not the yoke of this world, which doesn't fit. Lord, we live in a a stressed out age, an overwhelmed and overburdened day. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, right now we will um, make a covenant with you that as we leave this service today, that we will put this habit to practice. And, Lord, see what you do as we honor you through resting. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.